God, I just thank you for this day, God. Thank you for this word and for these, your people, God. And I just pray as this word goes forth that you convict the hearts, God, those that may listen online later, that you be with them, God, and bring truth and light to this word, God. We love you next. These things, your precious son, Jesus name. Thank God and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. So good to see everybody on this beautiful Sunday morning. Truly is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. We're so grateful and so thankful for the Lord and his protection throughout another week. So I just want to go ahead and jump right in. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20. I'll be reading out of the ESV but feel free to follow along with whatever translation that you have out of Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And just as a subject, I want to use it as pretty much a question is what's next? The subject is, what's next? What's next for the life of me as a believer? In this text, we're looking at the life of a disciple. What's next? I've seen Jesus at work. I've walked with him. But what's next for my life? This text is what is known as the Great Commission. And is up to this point, the disciples have walked with Jesus. Jesus has led them. And now he commissions them to do, capital D-O, do what he commanded, which was to make disciples. Now, I'll be honest with y'all. Growing up, I didn't hear too many messages preached on disciple. I've heard a ton of closings. I heard them pull it on, you know, he died on Friday and got up Sunday morning with all power in his hand. I've heard a ton. It doesn't matter. You could be preaching on tithing offering, and it's going to find its way to that in a closing. But I haven't heard many messages or sermons preached on the Great Commission. And so today we're going to look at the life of Jesus, Jesus, accountability. Man, you all, there is so much in just these few verses. I'm big on accountability as a man. I feel like as a man, if you ha your word should be your bond. If you don't have anything else, if you broke, you should at least have your word. You should at least be able to keep your word. Jesus, this is like accountability on steroids. Because not only did he do what he said he was going to do, he comes back and commissions them to do. Just as he did. So, as a backdrop, Jesus foretells his death three times. 
If you're taking notes, Matthew, this is number one. Matthew, the first time, Matthew 16, verses 21 through 22, he says he's going to be killed and on the third day be raised. That's number one. Number two, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 through 23, Jesus says, in Galilee, when they were in Galilee, he says to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. That's number two. Number three, Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 through 19. It says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day, three times the third day be raised. He will be raised on the third day. He will be raised on the third day. You ever have people just say something, it's like, ah, they just dismiss it. Ah, I believe that when I see it. Jesus told them on more than one occasion, I will be raised on the third day. So when we get into Matthew 28, before, when we get into Matthew 28, last week, Pastor Jobson preached in Matthew 28 earlier in a few verses, but in verse 10 kind of sets up where we are today if you jump back in the same chapter to verse 10 it says then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me he's talking to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary hey go and tell my brothers they will see me there accountability Jesus was crucified he died and was resurrected this is not to be confused with the world's definition of resurrection. This is not some Tupac. This is not Machiavelli. No, we bring Pac back. Pac was real. Pac is real dead. Elvis, right down the street, he's dead too. The other piece is what, <laughs> what I understand about these, uh, uh, you know, celebrities and all this Hollywood stuff is you fake your death, but you still got to die. Nobody has come back and says, hey, I've seen such and such. Or nobody's come back and commissioned somebody else to do X, Y, Z. Jesus did. In this life, you are going to die. You die and you stand before the Lord. In, the end. But Jesus died, resurrected, came back. And he's going to do it again. He's coming again. It doesn't matter who don't believe or they want to dismiss it and think it's just, oh, it's just that's some crazy stuff Christian people tell themselves so that they have something to hold on to to believe in. He's going to do it again just as he's did, just as he's already done with the disciples here in 28. So verse 17, chapter 28, verse 17, it says that some doubted. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Matthew doesn't tell us the some who doubted, but John does. In John chapter 20, verses 24 through 28, we get introduced to doubting Thomas. In the parallel 
just so no one's just kind of, you know, left out of the loop. When preachers or pastors or whomever is teaching or whatever, when they talk about parallel, some Bibles you have that will parallel the stories. Man, this is amazing. You all that Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they all have their accounts of when I saw Jesus and what he was doing when I saw him. X, Y, Z. So when you see Matthew's account, Matthew leaves out Thomas. But John doesn't. John has it in there. And so John talks about doubting Thomas. And so in verse 25, in John chapter 20, it says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. The disciples came to Thomas. They said, man, he did it. We seen him. Thomas said, but unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Thomas didn't doubt. He flat out refused to believe. He needed proof. For some of us, it's going to take the Lord splitting the clouds before we believe that he's coming again. Thomas needed proof. I needed him, the Lord, to check off these things. I need another miracle performed in my life before I believe you are who you say you are. Thomas had his day in court and had to deal with the Lord. Hey, come put your finger here. Come touch me. Oh, my Lord, now. Now, Thomas? For the second coming to happen? Oh, what do you do? At the point that we stand before the Lord and we realize we were wrong, what do you do? Jesus did what he said he was going to do. He also has authority in heaven and on earth. In verse 17, verse 18, I'm sorry, he commissions them. The commission that follows is given in light of Jesus' authority. And this indicates that this is a command, not a suggestion. I've never been in the military, but I've, I have always respected that discipline. But one thing is, one thing in particular that I can appreciate is whenever that commander tells that soldier, such and such, such, that's an order. They say, yes, sir, gone, done. It's not open for a suggestion. It's not, they don't question the sergeant. They don't question the commander. They don't, they just go. Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go. It is a command, not a suggestion. And why? Because of his authority. He can send whomever he wills to do whatever he pleases. It is his authority that sends us, his authority that guides us, his authority that empowers us. And so this work and this message is what would continue to the world through his disciples. They are going to be the witnesses of Christ. Verse 19 and 20, Jesus gives clear instructions to his disciples regarding what they should do after he's gone. In 19, when he says, go and therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, we'll get to uh, shortly. But verse 19, we are commanded to go, therefore, because Jesus has this authority, we are therefore commanded to go. Again, this is not open to suggestion. 
the command was go. The command go was given to some unworthy characters. These guys were, even though they walked with the Lord, it's, they had their issues. Peter, who the Lord called Satan not too long ago, Matthew 16, he was rebuked when he said, when Jesus was telling him, okay, hey, son of man is going to be handed over. Peter just flat out denied it. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter, you're a demon. John, along with James, who was rebuked in Luke chapter 9 for wanting fire to consume a village of Samaritans for rejecting Jesus. That's gangster. Man, it's just some, again, it's Peter, John, James, and then it was Thomas, who we just finished talking about, who just flat out refused to believe that he did this. He pulled this off. But yet Jesus says to them, go, and that all power is given unto him. They were as good for his purpose as anyone else would be. There was no power in them because all power and authority was given to Jesus. And as his disciples, they were to go. For us, there is no power in us. There is no power in Fred. There is no power in all of these titles. There is no power in all of everything that we want to make and exert influence over. All the power and authority is given to the Lord, and we are all carriers of the gospel. We are commanded to go. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, earthen vessels, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. There is nothing special about us. It is really sad how we have pedestalized leadership when everything, the playing field was leveled at the cross. Hmm? It's, it's really sad that, and, and so the, the, the proof of that is, is when you see the one that you pedestalized fall, then you're ready to leave the church. You're ready to walk off from the Lord. You're ready to abandon your relationship because I put all this faith in this man of God. He has a responsibility, according to James chapter 3. Believe it or not, the leaders and the teachers are going to be judged with a more harsh judgment. Why? Because you got the nerve to be up here talking about what thus said the Lord and leading people. You mislead people. There's a reckoning day coming for that. There's no power in you. All of the power belongs to the Lord. So the command is to make disciples, not just converts or a supporter of the gospel, not just a pew member, a tithe payer, an offering payer, somebody to cook plate lunches. It's to make disciples. And the idea behind the word disciple is the making of a scholar, the making of a learner, the maker, making of a student. I've always seen growing up the call to discipleship at the bottom of that program. But what would happen during those services is we had this altar call and you come down and you just say something and then, hey, go down there to that man down there at the left. We're going to give you get some information from you. And we don't see these people again. And so what happened? See you next Sunday. Let's do it all over again. Come down, say this, say that, and then go, and then the person disappears. So 
as I grew in my faith and grew in my relationship with the Lord, I started to question. So I started saying to myself, so if this is the call, who's doing the discipling? I got the call. I see it printed here. But who's actually doing the discipling? Who's doing life with me? Who's interceding on my behalf? Who can I call to reach out to if I'm in trouble? I'm struggling with my sin. I'm struggling with my habits. Who can I call? I gave you this information, but who's coming alongside of me to help me in this walk? Y'all understand? Y'all get what I'm saying? To pray with, provide direction. Jesus' command was to go and make disciples of all nations. It's not spontaneously created. It's not get some information and, okay, keep coming to church until you figure it out. No, that wasn't the, that wasn't a plan of the Lord. He said go and make. Go, doing, action. The disciples and discipleship is the product of a process involving other believers. This not, life is not meant to be done alone. This making of disciples is the power of spreading Christianity. It is not a ministry of the church. It is the ministry of the church. And speaking of the church, verse 19, when he says, Baptize, go therefore and make this of all nations. Ooh. Them, all nations, them, baptizing them. Ethnos, where you get into ethnic, you get to ethnicity. So this comes against the racial divides. This comes against Jesus is the white man's God and, you know, all this. It shuts all of that down. We have to confront our racism. We have to confront our sin because the gospel is colorblind. It doesn't matter who you are, what your background is. When he says go and make, make it of all nations, this is what he's saying. It confronts our race, racism. We can't be Christian and ignore all nations or exclude people due to our own sin, due to our biases and what we don't want to happen or whatnot. This is not the heart of a disciple maker. Exclusion, but a Christ follower rather is to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. It's as God has loved us through his son. And discipleship is not complicated. I don't want anyone in here or listening online later to feel as though this is something complicated. We got a lot of professions in here. We are IT professionals, lawyers, barbers. Everyone in here is skilled at what the Lord has given you to do. Have you ever been you trained in employment? You had you walked side by side with somebody. Somebody had to show you the ropes. Hmm? Somebody had to tell you what to do, what not to do, who to stay away from. But ha have you also noticed that in those side-by-sides that you have, that kind of morphed in the personal life? How many kids do you have? What are their names? How old are they? Where do they go to school? Uh, my kids go to that school. Uh, so what do you like to do on the weekend? Oh, and then it's, hey, let's meet for coffee. I found this great sale at Macy's. 
and on and on. And what happens? These relationships are built over the next 10, 15 years, 20 years of employment. You have literally discipled this person, but it's employment. You just got paid for it. Well, let's talk about the spiritual aspect. I'm doing life with this person. I'm spending time with this person. We may not be necessarily, we can catch the sale at Macy's, but we're also praying. We're also reading and studying our word together. We're also participating in discipleship groups and doing other community activities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not complicated. And Jesus wants us to make those disciples, be intentional about that work until he comes again. Verse 20, when he says he's going to be with us, suffering isn't eternal, but the promise is we are going to suffer. We are going to have heartaches. We're going to have heartbreak. But what? Jesus says, keep sharing your faith in the midst of that suffering. The tough times are coming, but as 2 Timothy 3 and 12 says, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. It's not a matter of if, it's when. You are going to go through, but don't let your faith be shaken. Don't let your testimony disappear. Allow that to strengthen you and the one that you are discipling and the one that's walking and doing life with you sees how you go through. That equips them to be able to go through and handle the problems of life in a godly manner. Our lives are to be lived on purpose for Christ. Jesus will always be with us. So in closing, what is next for us? We may not have physically walked with the Lord but we are walking by faith in the spirit. If we've given our life to the Lord, what's next? Just continue to come to church, figure it out? Uh Uh-uh, no, that wasn't the command of Jesus. He says to go and make disciples. So as a Christ follower, we are to fulfill that command, which is making disciples of all nations, and we must be willing to share our faith as well as our lives with those the Lord put in our path. Second Thessalonians 2 and 8 says, Paul says, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. It is important that we seriously, we take very seriously those that the Lord placed in our lives and don't fold because your message or the word of God is being rejected. Be intentional about those relationships and look at what Jesus did. He was intentional about the disciples and he didn't leave them to fend for themselves. He came back and made sure that they had direction. We also want to make sure those that the Lord placed in our life have direction, that they don't feel as though this Christian life is being lived alone. God, Jesus, qualifies those that he calls. And all of us are called. He qualifies. It's not about us. Look at Moses in Exodus 4. When he was saying that 
man, God, I don't talk right. I got a speech impediment. He gave him all these excuses. God said, who gave man his mouth? Go, I will be with your mouth. It is God that qualifies. So all this eloquence and the speech, okay, great. If you have it, cool. If not, cool. It's not your power, no way. It is the Lord that will empower and give us what to say, how to do, and how to disciple, to be equipped in the work and to be equipped to live out the command of going. Amen? Let me pray. Now, God, I thank you for this word, God. God, I'm just so grateful for the awesome price that you paid on the cross through your son, Jesus laying this life down for us, for our sins, that we may be made right with you. God, I pray against doubt. I pray against anyone uh, that feels as though they're inadequate to live out this command of making disciples. Help us, Lord, to just be intentional about what we command to do, what you've given us to do. I pray against passivity. I pray against um, anyone that just feels as though they just don't know what to do. Equip them in those moments, God. And as you said through your servant Paul, help us to endure hardness as a good soldier. Be with us, God, in our hearts and help us, God, to live our lives on purpose for you. We love you and we ask all these things in your precious son Jesus' name. Thank God, amen.